All right. Good morning, everyone. So glad you guys are joining us this morning. Uh, let's go ahead and start off this morning with our shouts. Okay. Are you guys ready? Yeah. I do this with my kids all the week, all the time, every week. All right. What do we do? Love God and love others. What do we say? I love God and I love you. Awesome. Good. I'm so glad to be sharing with you guys this morning. Um, now, if you guys didn't know, uh, I enjoy being out in the sunlight. I have the, uh, the watch tent to prove it. I don't know if you guys can see it over there. Now, uh, these past couple of days, at least this past week, has been a little bit weird, right? It's the middle of May, it's 65 degrees outside, and it's cloudy. Now, I don't know about you guys, when it gets cloudy, for me, I feel a little bit different. I feel kind of depressed. I feel down. I feel like I don't have energy to do anything. I don't know what time of day it is. Um, I don't know. Uh, it, it just My body just has a difficult time adjusting to that. But when that sunlight finally comes through, when those clouds start to clear, I feel different. I feel energized. I feel, uh, I feel happy. Uh, I feel the warmth of the sun, and I'm just a happier person overall. I think sometimes our lives are like this as well. Uh, we have troubles and clouds hanging over our heads. It can be easy for us to feel depressed. It can be easy for us to feel like we're all alone. It can be easy for us to feel... Like, there's no hope. But like those clouds shining through, God gives us rays of hope that, so that we can look forward uh, to feeling joyful. It helps us feel connected with others, and it helps us feel happy with what's happening in our lives. So this morning, I wanted to share from the book of Romans three rays of hope that God gives us in those times of trouble when clouds are hanging over our head. Now, the first ray of hope that God gives us is uh, he gives us peace in our relationships. The second ray of hope that God gives us is he wants us to rejoice in our suffering. And the last ray of hope that God gives us this morning is he wants us to remember how much he loves us. So this morning, the first ray of hope that God gives us is he wants us to, he gives us peace in our relationships. It tells us here in the book of Romans, Therefore, since we have been justified through faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have gained access by faith into his grace, which we now stand. You see, our relationship with God wasn't always on the best terms. Uh, we were sinners and enemies of God. Uh, we disobeyed him, and time and time again, we deserved his punishment. Our relationship with God was not right. And when there's conflict in a relationship, we know that it, things just become more difficult. Now imagine having conflict in your marriage. When there's conflict in your marriage, even the simplest tasks become hard, become testing, and you're kind of like at, at each other, right? fighting at each other, taking out the trash, doing laundry, even picking where you guys want to have dinner. Those become difficult when there's conflict in your marriage. When there's conflict in your relationship with your kids, you're less patient, you become more easily angered, and you're not able to parent in the way that God's called you to. When there is conflict in the workplace, it doesn't matter the salary, the benefits, the perks. When there's conflict in your workplace, it's just a miserable place to work. Now, conflict in our relationship is not what God wanted for us. In fact, he wanted us to have peace in our relationships, like I was saying earlier. 
It was only through Christ's death that this was able to happen. See, when Jesus took the punishment that we deserved, it allowed us to receive God's grace and it allowed us to have peace in our relationship with him and with others. This peace that Jesus gave us allows us to uh, face the adversities that come in our relationships. It makes things right between us and God. See, when we have peace in our marriage, that means you're committed to each other. It means that you're able to stand with each other no matter the situation. Whether it's uh, picking up the socks that you left on the floor or wondering how are we going to pay our mortgage. When you have peace in your marriage, uh, those difficult situations become a little bit easier. When you have peace in your relationship with your children, you're more patient, you're less angry, you're able to love them in a way that God has called you to. When we have peace in our relationship with our kids, uh, we're able to parent in the way that we want to. When you have peace in the workplace with your coworkers, no matter the situation, no matter how difficult it is, it makes it a joyous place to work, right? Your bosses and your coworkers, and even the clients come in and say, oh, this is a fun place to work. Uh, when we have peace in our workplace, we're able to navigate the adversities of downsizing, ownership change, and the ups and downs of the ever-changing market. See, having peace in our relationships is not just important with God, but it's also important with others. That peace that Jesus gives us also gives us a living hope that we can hold on to when things start to go wrong. Now, the second ray of hope that God wants us to give us this morning is he wants us to rejoice in our suffering because it gives us hope. In Romans, again, we're going to go back to the passage, it tells us, and we boast in the hope of the glory of God. Not only so, but we also glory in our suffering because we know that suffering produces perseverance, perseverance character, and character hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Now, suffering, believe it or not, is probably not the most popular topic that most preachers want to preach on, right? Um, but it's something that we all go through. Suffering is, does not discriminate. It's universal. It's something that we all experience. Simply put, suffering sucks, right? It sucks. It sucks when you, uh, when you love someone or you, when you watch someone that you love dealing with health issues. It sucks when you're wa- you watch a family member walk away from their marriage. It sucks when you're, you're, you're wondering when and where your next meal is coming from and you're unsure about that. It sucks when uh, you experience something traumatic in your life and you have no one to talk to about it. Now, when we experience suffering, uh, there are usually three uh, responses that people have. The first is anger, apathy, or uh, defeat. Um, But as Christians, as those who have peace in our relationships with others and with God, when we experience suffering, God wants us to respond differently. We are called to respond differently. When we experience suffering, instead of feeling defeat, anger, or uh, apathy, we should rejoice in that suffering. It sounds a little funny, right? You see, when we rejoice in our suffering, it makes us more reliant on God. When we rejoice in our suffering, it reminds us that 
when we are weak, he's strong. You see, rejoicing in our suffering is a lot like uh, refining metals, right? If you guys know anything about uh, a smelting or blacksmithing, when you refine a metal, you put it through intense heat, and it melts it down, and all these, those impurities, they come to the surface and are scooped off. And you're left with this pure, uh, heat-tempered metal. See, God uses our suffering not to anger us or to make us feel defeated or to make us feel apathetic, but he uses it to refine us. He uses it so that we can build perseverance. He uses it so that our character gets developed. He uses our suffering so that we can put our hope in him. So maybe you've experienced suffering when uh, grieving over a loved one who's passed away. When we rejoice in our suffering, we know that if they're a believer, they're in the best place that they can be with God. They're worshiping him, and there is no other place that you'd want your loved one to be. When we rejoice in our suffering, or maybe you've experienced suffering when you profess your newfound faith to a group of non, your non-believing friends. They've antagonized you, they've persecuted you, they've even left you. They say, I don't want to be your friend anymore. When we rejoice in our suffering, maybe God puts a new group of friends in your life that uh, pray for you, that love you, that keep you accountable in your walk with Christ, something that this group of friends before couldn't provide. Maybe you've experienced uh, a difficulty dealing with a neighbor, right? Not, not a, your friends, but an actual neighbor, someone that you live next to. Maybe they don't have respect for you or your family, and they're just generally unpleasant. When we rejoice in our suffering, maybe God provides an opportunity to be able to help out that neighbor, to be able to minister to that neighbor, to help them in their time of need. And instead of uh, becoming your enemies, they become a part of your family, someone that watches over your house when you're not there. We rejoice, when we rejoice in our suffering, it gives us hope. It gives us hope in God because we have hope in him and we know that God is good. We know this because God poured his love out into our hearts. God loves us and this is something that we experience uh, not just on the outside but on the inside as well. It's an internal reality and this allows us to rejoice in our suffering. So when we experience uh, trials and tribulations in our lives, it can feel like we're unworthy. It can feel like uh, no one cares about us. It can make us feel like we don't deserve to be loved. But we tend to forget that we are worthy, that there is someone that cares about us, that we deserve to be loved. And so this goes into our third ray of hope this morning, that God gives us. He wants us to remember how much he loves us. If we go back to the passage here, it says in verse 6, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Christ died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly die, dare to die. But God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. You see, we're all sinners down to our core, whether we want to believe it or not. From the moment we're born to the moment we die, sin is something that we are completely powerless against. No matter how hard we try, no matter how much we pray, no matter what we do, no matter how perfect we try to live our lives, 
will always be a sinner. Now, as I was preparing this message, I, I thought of my daughter, Ellie. You guys have seen her walking around here. Now, I remember Ellie on the day she was born. She was this perfect little baby. There's no way that she could be a sinner. No way. She's, look at her. She's this you know, tiny little perfect baby that God's given us. But parents, as you guys know, as she continued to grow, those cracks in that perfect facade started to fade away. She learned to say no. She began to throw temper tantrums. She, and she developed this wonderful talent of selective hearing, right? Um, as I began to experience these changes, uh, I realized two things. The first thing I realized was that I'm not a perfect parent. And the second thing I realized was that my daughter is a sinner too. Now, if we did to God what God's, or if, we've, if God did to us what we've done to him, I don't think we would love God very much. We've cheated him. We've disobeyed him. We've cursed him. We've ignored him. We've thrown him aside. We've put other things before him. We've done nothing to earn his love. We've done nothing to be worthy of his love. But you see, God wants to remind us that Christ's death, his death on the cross, made it so that we can be worthy of this love, made it so that we didn't have to do anything to earn it. The love that God has for us saved us from our sin even when we didn't want to be saved. Uh, and this is how we remember that God loves us. Uh, that while we were still sinners, while we were evildoers, while we were enemies of God, while we still cursed him and cheated him and ignored him, that he still loves us. You see, God still loves us even when our relationships aren't peaceful. He loves us uh, even when we can't seem to rejoice in our sufferings. He loves us even when we put other things before him. You see, God gave us the gift of salvation uh, so that we would remember that while we sinned against him, he still loved us. And this is what God wants us to remember in our times of trouble. So as we close out our worship this morning, uh, my hope is that when those clouds start to form over your lives, that you remember that God gave us peace in our relationships with others, that we should rejoice in our suffering, and that God loves us, despite how much we've sinned against him.